0: Welcome back to Super Necessary. Today, I'm really happy to say that we're joined by one of the voices of One Championship and a man who's been there since the very start, Mitch Chilson.
1: What's up, gentlemen? How are you guys doing? Uh, we're good. Thank
0: you, mate. How are you? Oh, good, mate.
1: Great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Super Necessary. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Not a problem. Really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, so I'm going to jump straight into it. So how did you uh, get
1: started in combat sports? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's kind of like a lifetime-long learning process. My mom stuck me into karate classes, judo classes, kendo classes when I was just a little kid. So it's just been something that's always been in my life. Um, when I was about 25 or so, um, I found a kickboxing gym in Seattle, Washington, and my first school was my first mixed martial arts school was actually AMC Pancration, um, Matt Hume School, in Kirkland, Washington. And I walk into the gym on the first day, and it's like Marie Smith and Josh Barnett and Matt Hume, and I'm just going, <laughs> like I'm I'm just a, like a just a karate guy. So I was just <laughs> shocked, and it's just been. A crazy ride ever since and just continually trying to test myself and try out new martial arts and uh now i get to talk about it for a living it's been an amazing journey and i'm uh, looking forward to the future
2: definitely um, so i'm um, i'm curious what, what was the uh decision behind your retiring from from competing um, and I, I think you comp- competed for about what f- three, three years
1: was that right what what are you talking about retire i'm not retired (laughs) no man Um, one championship just stopped asking me for fights you know they just like they started asking me just to commentate instead i never retired um i never officially made that statement um it's it's something i've i could still continue to train um to this day you know i just got out of practice yesterday i ran this morning um I I don't think I would ever retire. I would love to do it again. I would love to compete one more time. But um, back in 2010, I was thrown on my head. Uh, Leandro Issa, Broginho, he threw me on my head during practice right before one FC one. And I I landed on my head and I tore seven muscles in my neck and my back. And I was about eight weeks out from the fight. And I, I couldn't not take the fight, I had to do it. So I went into that match really banged up and it just it just got worse and worse and my neck um, never quite healed. So like in my last match against Shannon Wirichai, he just taps me on the side of the head and I go down and it was really an abrupt fall and it caused me a lot of spasming in my neck and um, it was just something that I, I knew I needed to take care of. So ever since then, um, I've really just been exploring different types of therapy and training just to kind of reconstruct my body. Um, so that's been my primary focus along with just understanding, you know, the game of commentary, uh, and just my martial arts study. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I would, I would love to do it again. I'd still want to compete in something, whether it's a kickboxing match or Muay Thai, or even just a jujitsu tournament matchup. I would love to continue to, uh, compete, um, and uh, I'd love to get another one of those one championship medals, man. I got two. Yeah. Man, I just need a third, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I need one more of them, man.
0: So, so the door's still open, then, is what you're saying?
1: The door's yeah. wide open, man. <laughs> one championship gives me the you no know, locks out my door. I will kick that sucker down, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as soon as possible. But uh, yeah, I would love to do it again. I would, I would love to compete. Um, just even just one more time to make that walk because it's something that I think about every day, you know, every single day that I'm training, that I'm, that I'm working out, um, that I'm just even watching these guys or talking to these guys. I'm like, I could beat this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just something that if you think about something every single day, you have to give it one more, one more try, you know, even yeah. if it's just a, you know, a, the Singapore grappling invitational or something, but I, I do want to compete again and I'm feeling a little bit better than ever. So, you know, I can still do it. Oh, you, you, you're
2: the dragon. You've still got that fire inside you. <laughs> oh, yeah, brother. Oh, yeah, it's
0: still there. So is it kind of a case of just sort of wanting to go out on, on your own terms if you've never officially said you're retired?
1: Uh, I don't know, man. It's kind of like just it's been something I've always done competing in martial arts and training in martial arts. Um, it's just it's just part of the process. It's how you test yourself. But there's nothing like waking up in the morning knowing you have a competition coming. Nothing gets you into better shape. Nothing gives you that purpose and that drive uh, to really push yourself to become a little bit better than the day you were before. And I miss that. I miss that sense of purpose. And then I also miss that sense of accomplishment, you know, finishing the, the camp, getting your hand raised. And just that afterglow that you have after you compete, um, there's there's nothing like it. And it's something that I do miss. Um, but now with the commentary, like Rich was asking me the other day, he's like, do you guys ever get nervous before you commentate these shows? And it's it's like a small bit of adrenaline right before a fight. Like right before you fight, your heart's racing, you're nervous, you have this tension. And I get a little bit of that every time I do a commentary, every time I jump onto the mic or because it's still the same atmosphere. It's still the buzz is still the same. And I miss it. And I miss it. And, uh, you know, if I do go out on my own terms, it would be nice. Um, but I would like to get my hand raised one more time. Yeah. One more time.
2: And how are, how are your shoulders and everything now with the therapy that you've been through?
1: Um, It's been good. It's been good. I, but because of my pain and because of the discomfort that I felt, I, I created a strength and conditioning system and it's called fight shape. And it's really been the process of getting people into the best shape possible. But what it's also done is I've gone over and sort of implemented a corrective exercise program as well. So because of my pain, I'm able to understand other people's pain, you know, whether it's back pain or knee pain or shoulder pain. I started studying physical therapy. So going through this process helped me understand the process that everybody else goes through. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete or you work a nine to five in an office, we still want to live and feel better. And because of these problems, it gave me sort of insight into somebody else's process. Before I was a uh, a fighter or before I was a commentator, I was a coach and being a coach is something I've done since 1999. So it's just been part of the process for helping me understand pain, because I think pain is a really difficult thing that people struggle with, especially when it's little things that can, they can fix themselves. So that's, that's kind of been the evolution of uh, that system itself.
0: Amazing. So if you ever were to return to competing, obviously now you've been commentating for you know, a number of years. Do you think sort yeah. of the, the analytical approach that you have to your commentary will give you an advantage inside
1: the circle? 100%. I know every single one of these guys' strengths and weaknesses. I could read them <laughs> like a book, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing nothing but studying these guys for the past last six years. Uh, but man, the featherweight division right now is a shark tank, man. It would be rough to jump right into it. You know, I think I need to like warm up on the local circuit or, something. <laughs> <laughs> or go back to the Thai stadiums or, you know, um, because man, these guys have leveled up, you know, they're you know, back in my day, the, the featherweight division, the top five, the top 10 wasn't anything like it's, is now you know like having a guy like gary Tonin on your legs or having somebody like martin Nguyen punching you in the face man that's that's scary stuff bro (laughs) so uh it definitely helps it helps me understand martial arts better especially because the detail that i go into my you know sort of my study and my analyzation of these guys um but i do know you know i have a little bit better understanding of where they're strong and where their weak points are yeah
2: um, so uh, as we've said, you, you've been you've been with one since the very beginning. So th- how proud you are to be such a
1: big part of its evolution over the the past decade. Wow, bro! It's been it's been crazy. You know, like um, I remember when you know Victor Kui and Chachri Tong sat me down, and they were talking to me about putting me on the poster. You know, like they're talking to me at one FC one, you know, it was one FC back then. Now it's one championship, but, um, I still remember walking around Singapore and seeing myself on taxis and seeing myself on posters in the malls and stuff. And it was crazy, you know, um, now to look back on it, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, you know, to, to really be there since the beginning and to, to watch them grow and develop, you know, and now we've got, you know, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. And, you know, we've got these mega stars on our shows, Eddie Alvarez, you know, like, I thought it was cool when I was in the sauna with Tim Sylvia, and Andre Arlovsky, right? Like, that was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, that was back in the day. Um, But it's just been a, it's been a great ride. And I really looked, I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for One Championship because I really feel that there's elements of this organization that can touch more than just the regular MMA fan. You know, I think there's there's an aspect of the martial arts that One Championship has that the average viewer, just the average sports fan and the average non-sports fan I think can be attracted to. And I'm really excited to help be a part of that development. And I think that MMA and even kickboxing and Muay Thai are really just scratching the surface. I think there's a whole nother level of fan base that we can get into. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you know, how we can grow and develop, especially when it gets into all, all the different areas where one championship is starting to grow into. Mm. Um, Do you see one competing with
0: UFC at some point in the near future to be seen as the biggest
1: promotion in in the world? Well, in some aspects, I think one championship is bigger than UFC. You know, we have more of a reach. We've got more countries that we're in. You know, like in Myanmar, for example, ain't nobody know who the UFC is. They Mm -hmm. couldn't name, you know... A match, but they know who umlan song is, you know, <laughs> like, I think there's areas where one championship will be bigger than the UFC because UFC is a very niche fan base. It's a very small, it's a very die hard, you know, very just devoted fan base that UFC has, but one championship they, they cross boundaries. You know, they get into nationalistic pride, and the way that we're able to get into people's hearts and to convey this sense of passion in our fans is, is rare. And I, I truly believe that one championship will surpass UFC, especially when people find out more about the characters that we have. I think our athletes are some of the, they're, they're some of the truly special people on this earth and I just can't wait for the, the public to find out who these guys are. And that's also my job. My job is the storyteller. So I have to be part of the reason why the average fan gravitates to one championship. And the fact that, you know, they love Rod Tang. You know, Rod Tang Wong Nong, mm-hmm. the Iron Man is a Muay Thai athlete and striking's not really that popular in the Western world, right? It's just not something that's that ever since K one striking's kind of fell off, you know, but, but Rod Tang, especially if, if Rod Tang crosses over into mixed martial arts and you realize just how good of a heart, how caring, how nice this guy is, people are really going to be drawn to his story. He came from nothing and he still keeps that humility inside of him, You know um, you know, with these guys, when they win money, they don't go out and buy fancy cars and watches and they build houses in their communities they build community centers and they give back you know these are athletes one championship athletes aren't trying to you know make themselves look better they're trying to build up everybody else around them and i i truly hope that the public Gets to find out who our athletes are and just how special they are as people. And I think, man, once they do, I think we're going to crush the UFC. If we don't already, um, but I think it's really going to be a fun ride. And I think the, the fans are going to really be in for something special when, once they start to find out who our people are. Yeah, definitely. So
2: do, do you think like, that's one thing that sets one championship? Apart from other MMA um, promotions, is their reach, how far they can reach, and obviously how different the the, the fighters are and how they uh, represent themselves?
1: I think so. You know, I, I think that um, the character of our athletes is very special. You know, um, they all come from you know, very humble beginnings. And they all come from like a martial arts, like influence and honor, integrity and respect. And these are values that aren't just, you know, uh, lip service. They're actually things that, you know, um, myself, the commentators, the owner, you know, Chachri, uh, it's, it's things that, they're values that we live by, you know? And I hope that, you know, the public sees that. I hope that they understand just where we're coming from as an organization, um, but as far as the reach is concerned, man, we're in 150 countries. You can turn on the TV in any one of these countries, and you can watch, you know, your athletes. We make it very easy for people to watch us with the One Super app, yeah. with you know, YouTube, with Twitter, with Facebook, with Instagram. We are everywhere. And have you ever tried like to watch some of these other organizations? Like I've been traveling and I've tried to watch, you know, some of these other big name organizations and I've tried to watch their matches and it's impossible to watch the the pay-per-view show unless you, you, you buy the app or you buy that special thing or whatever it might be. You can't do it. And then they're, they're country blocked, you know, and, and one is just out there; it's everywhere. And I think that access that people have to our events is going to be a huge plus. It's going to be a massive advantage that we have over people because we're not trying to sell pay-per-views. You know, we're not trying to get you know butts in the seats. We're trying to get. We're trying to let people see our product, and because of that, that's going to be the difference maker. Yeah,
0: yeah. you say about. Um... You know the athletes come from humble beginnings and, and things like that. We actually had um Peter Baust on not so long ago, and he he completely personifies exactly what you're saying there. Yeah. He's he was such a, a down to earth, humble dude, and he was really just brilliant to talk to. But he he definitely fits that mindset, what you're saying about the athletes in one.
1: I love that guy. He inspires me every time, you know, and he's such a slick martial artist. The way that Foleyang threw that leg kick and then he lifted his leg up and came around the top with that high roundhouse kick and wobbled Foleyang, that was like one of my favorite moments inside One Championship because that is like movie type stuff. That's like stuff you have to choreograph yeah. inside a fight scene, and he's doing it inside the circle. It was <laughs> crazy. Um, I, lo- I, lo- I love Baust. I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good dude. Um, so are, are there any up-and-coming fighters in one championship that we should be looking out for?
1: Pick a sport. What, what's, what's Which <laughs> one do you like? Do you like kickboxing, Muay Thai, or mixed martial arts?
0: All of them. We, we we watch it all, <laughs> honestly.
1: Um. Okay. Let's start. Let's start in the because right now we've got uh like a lot of focus on our heavyweights, right? Everybody loves the heavyweights, you know. For a long time, and I think it was because of boxing, you know, the heavyweight world champion, you know, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali. These guys carried a certain swagger about them. Um. But there's a cat. There's a Korean guy. Named Kang Ji Wong. He just beat Ali Akbari. Ali Akbari, if you don't know who this guy is, this guy is a world beater. He's a world wrestling champion, like a high level wrestling world champion. And he's got like an entire country of Iran behind him. You know, he's one of the most popular mixed martial artists in the world. And he came into this bout and And we had already like set up his next match. We were already looking forward to this guy competing. He was talking about calling out Brandon Vera. he was a big deal coming into this matchup, and he approaches this match and he thinks he's going to walk right through kong ji Wong. kong Ji is a very unassuming baby faced killer and Kang Ji that he's like, this guy's underestimating me, Mitch. Like we were talking and I was, he's like, watch, watch what I do to this guy. Ali Akbari hits this guy twice with two heavy right hands. Kang Ji Wong's eye immediately swells up. The third punch that Ali Akbari throws, Kang slips it and boom, connects with a massive punch. Kang Ji Wong immediately jumps on top of him and they stop the match. It was a beautiful finish. Kang Ji Wang moves like a middleweight. He's very light on his feet. He's got very fast hands, and he is a force. He is going to be a serious problem. So he's one of my favorite heavyweights right now. Um, He's undefeated. He is just hot on my radar. I really like that guy. But then you transition to, like, some of the smaller weight classes, right? I'm a big fan of the Team Lakai guys. You know, we've got this new cat, uh, Stefan Lohman who's coming over from a different organization where he was extremely dominant. He had like five title defenses. He could be a very big problem in the bantamweight division. Um, but there's just, you know, and then we get into like the Muay Thai side of things. Like I really like uh, the flyweight division of Muay Thai. I think that's a fun division. And I think there's a lot of hot prospects out there. Uh, Elias Mahmoudi, he's a beautiful striker. Um, but then we got these women, you know, we've got the, the women's Adam Wake Grand Prix. That's going to be amazing. Who's this little person? <laughs> Hello. Go to visit. <laughs> so man, there's a lot of really good athletes coming up um, very, very soon, especially on these TNT cards. Some of the matches haven't been announced yet, but you guys are going to lose your minds when you see some of these matchups
0: yeah we're, we're looking forward to seeing the, the tNT matchups get announced um so what what's been the highlight
1: for you from inside the circle over the years um i mean obviously you know winning like you know uh inside the circle was was a very um Important thing for me, like you know, getting some victories, getting those medals were very cool. But also some of the losses, right? Like even some of the losses against Shannon Weerachai, against Eric Kelly in ONE FC One. That was that was you know uh, important moment for me, just as a development in my own martial arts ability. Um, but I would have to say, when we went to Myanmar. When we went to Myanmar, Myanmar had never really had a world champion. They'd never really had an athlete like like level up to that world stage, you know? And when Unlan song first went there, he was, he was facing uh, Vitali Big Dash, and they were going to fight for the middleweight world title. And Vitali Big Dash was basically Ivan Drago. This guy was just, he looked like Superman. Like he was just chiseled and huge and buff and scary. He was undefeated. He was just um, just a killer. And, you know, and when we publicized, you know, going to Myanmar, the Myanmar people rallied around Angla and Song in a manner that I've never seen before in sports. You know, I've seen, you know, like the attraction of like, you know, um, you know, Mani Pacquiao to the Philippines, and, you know, these these big cultural icons in their countries. But the way that the Myanmar people rallied around Unlan Song was something that was unreal. And we get to the stadium, and the stadium is, is electrified from the be- very beginning of the prelims. The first match on the prelims, the entire stadium is packed. And like, I've never seen that before. Usually it takes a little while, like maybe the main card thing start to get full. But from the prelims, there was lines of thousands of people around the stadium waiting to get in. And this was the first show. And it was like this buzz in the stadium. The stadium had zero air conditioning. So and I don't know if you've seen it, but we have to wear suits, right? So I'm sitting there. I'm just covered, pouring sweat. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it must have been like 105 degrees on that floor, right? And then the, it was an electrifying night of fights. And then when Ungla La comes out, right, the entire stadium erupts. And when I say erupts, the whole, the floor was vibrating. You know, I got to fight at RN at the stadium, the Thrilla in Manila stadium in Manila, where there was, you know, 17,000 people and like, like that, that feeling, it was not, there must've been like 12,000 people inside the Tijuana indoor stadium. And the whole place was just buzzing and vibrating. It looked like one of the, just the craziest rock concerts you've ever been to. And the, the match was back and forth and constant action, just five rounds. It was just total war. And in the end, right, it's really close, really close match. Ungla Unsong has raised his hand as winner, and the Myanmar people go crazy. I get up into the ring and I'm holding the mic. Ungla grabs my hand and he says, I am not strong. I am not talented. But with you, I am a world champion. And that moment was crazy. The passion and the excitement that those people felt in that moment was unlike anything I've ever seen. And even Michael Chavello, who was next to me, who's been at the Olympics, who's been at WrestleMania, he's commentated the biggest sporting events in the world. He said, there's nothing like calling a match inside Myanmar because of those people, because of the electricity and the passion and the energy that they bring inside that stadium. And it's, it's just, it's amazing. And just speaking about it makes me really miss the buzz that I get from a live event. There's nothing like a one championship event.
2: Unbelievable. <laughs> ah, just sounds incredible, it really does. Um, so, uh- I'd like to apologize for that little <laughs> interruption. <laughs> Why? Away. Don't
1: apologize. It's no problem. You should have brought it up. I wanted to just, is it a boy or a girl? A boy. A little boy, what's his name? A Lucas. Lucas? You yeah. just show, I always said hi. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, you can be curious. no,
1: no problem.
2: Um, so you, you mentioned you mentioned Michael. Um What's it like working with him on commentary and is he as well
1: off the camera as he seems on? Oh man, Michael Stravello. My, in, in 2008, I was at the Singapore indoor stadium watching the finals of the contender Asia and the contender Asia was a reality show kind of like the ultimate fighter where they find the best Muay Thai guys in Asia and they put them into a house and it was Yotzin Klei, I Way Fairtex against John Wayne Parr in the finals of this event. And I'm sitting way up in the cheap seats, right? Way up there. And all the way up there, I could hear this screaming commentator, right? Louder than the coaches, louder than all the fans. But there was this cat screaming into the mic. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That guy's loud right? But he brought a buzz to the fight, right? And, you know, I've I've followed Michael Chavello through a lot of his uh, dream stuff, his K1 stuff and kickboxing. And I've always heard his voice, right? And I've always he I kind of associated his commentary and his lines, you know, good night, Irene, the Mm -hmm. big kibosh, you know, I (laughs) associate these things with a lot of iconic moments in In martial arts. And then when he first came, you know, I was like, I was a little bit taken back. And a lot of my, a lot of my uh, teammates on the staff on one championship, they were worried because they didn't think I would be able to keep up with him. They were like, "Dude, are you? How do you feel about this?" Because Steve Dawson was my commentator before, and then I worked a little bit with Sean Wheelock and Chris Hookstra, who are a little more low key, right? Michael's like huge, you know. So <laughs> they were worried because I was the energy guy. I was the guy that you know built the energy and the the excitement, and I, you know, I was like wow, you, you guys think this is going to be a problem for me? And they were kind of psyching me out. I was like, man, I was like, what's <laughs> up? And I remember doing the show and we immediately clicked. We immediately found a chemistry and a rhythm and great commentary teams have, an, have good chemistry and they can play off each other. And the way that they bounce things back and forth is it's not something you can teach. It has to be uh intrinsic it comes from inside and the way you guys connect and and me and michael immediately bonded you know we we started traveling all over malaysia indonesia thailand japan and and we got to know each other and we got to understand each other and you would be surprised but he is completely the opposite off camera <laughs> he's very quiet he's very subdued. he like I have good and bad days on commentary, right? Like I have days where I'm really excited. And then I have days where I have a massive headache and I'm not very good. He never lets anything in his outside world affect him. He is the most professional, consistent commentator. He is, he's so good and articulate at speaking. He can fill holes. He doesn't have to think about anything. It's automatic the way he's able to deliver he can make adjustments on the fly. It's really impressive. And I've learned so much about commentatory with working alongside of him. And it's, it's helped me level up as a commentator, but it's also just been fun to be along with the, the journey. You know, I read his book, Goodnight Irene, and I got to find out a lot more about him and the things he's been through in his life. And that just made us click even more. So, uh, you'd be surprised when you meet him, you'll be like, Really? This is that loud dude? <laughs> <laughs> this is that guy. Um, but he's cool, man. I, I really enjoy working alongside of him. <laughs> Saves all that energy
0: for the shows, then <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yeah. It
2: definitely comes out, you definitely yeah. You feel that energy,
1: yeah. Mate, makes he, great he, de- de- he holds it, you know, he can just he can maintain it. Doesn't matter if we're doing a five-hour show or we're doing a 10-hour show he keeps that same intensity and that same volume and he knows how to ebb and flow uh he's just he's really good man he's really good and i'm excited to continue to work with him yeah definitely um so one championship is doing its own version of the
0: apprentice uh, which is starting soon Um, and obviously People know the Apprentice from the tons of different versions around the world. How yep. is how is one championship version going to differ from the norm?
1: Well, I mean, I've seen a few of them, right? And obviously, I know the Donald Trump one. Um, I've seen there's also an Asia version, like Tony Fernandez, the CEO of Air Asia, did one out here. Um, but they're always business, right? Like they're always like business lessons and, you know, mental tasks and, you know, startup questions and all this kind of stuff, building, you know, entrepreneur or business type things. Yeah. But this thing with Chachri, he lets his, his flair kind of come out because he is a martial artist. He's a, you know, he's fought professional Muay Thai. He's a BJJ purple belt. He's legit in every area of mixed martial arts, and so you're going to start to see some of that come out. You're going to start to see the physical aspects of the the one world champions on display. We've got some great guest stars: Henzo Gracie, George Saint Pierre, Sage Northcutt, Brandon Vera. Some really big name superstars are going to be on The Apprentice as sort of these guests. Um, coaches and judges and these intricate little characters that you're going to get to see. And it's really exciting because um, I've been associated with Evolve Mix Martial Arts for a very long time. So I've been working closely with Chachari and his business acumen and his drive and his passion and his hunger. This isn't new stuff. This is stuff that he's had since day one, you know, it's impossible to outwork this guy. He's incredibly talented when it comes to, you know, just business understanding and execution. And I think you're going to see that you're going to see these as far as business lessons are concerned, but you're going to get to see that physical side of things and, and how he blends the two together is going to be very intriguing. And I think just the main thing is you're going to get to see, you know, guys like George St. Pierre and Sage Northcutt, them doing physical challenges and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a, a different look at things, and I think it's going to really put a whole different sort of lens on one championship and the direction that we're headed.
2: Well, oh, do, do you think of uh, this this edition is successful? It, is the is, if you can speak about it? Is there any plans for future uh, seasons?
1: I think so, you know, um, I think it, it just depends upon the, the reach, you know, and really the engagement, you know, how, like, I think the feedback that he's going to get, but I think it's already a hit. Like, I don't, I think we just debuted a few days ago around Asia and it was already breaking records and, you know, I, we're broadcast here on AXM, but I think the worldwide debut is sometime in June. Um... So I really think the reception is going to be quite positive. And, you know, most of the time, you know, most seasons get a second shot at things. And I know with One Studios, I don't know fully what's going to happen with One Studios and exactly what they're going to do. But I would definitely think that this show would do be um, up for a second season or at least get that sophomore hit.
0: Yeah. I think it'll help get more eyes that may not watch one involved in watching one.
1: 100%. I think that it'll definitely, like I said, you know, we're in so many countries right now and, and the way that our characters, we've also got like our strawweight world champion, Jung Jin-na. She's going to be a guest star on the show. Ritu, Ritu Fogat. She's going to be on there, the Indian wrestling champion. Um, there's going to be a lot of, you know, sort of uh, mixing of the one superstars, Angela Lee, our Adam Weight Women's World Champion is going to be on the show. So you're going to see a lot of crossover between, you know, one studios, one championship and our athletes getting more and more exposure as far as um, different opportunities. And I think this is going to be a huge one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in April, there's four events in a row on TNT. And
1: um, how big is that for the company? oh man i mean these cards are gigantic you know they're really really exciting you know obviously in the first event you know we have just i mean just some amazing bouts you know and demetrius mighty mouse johnson is taking on adriano marias you know eddie alvarez is going to face yuri Lapakis. um but then in the second event they just released that card you know you've got uh, Timofei Nastukin, the guy that knocked out Eddie Alvarez, taking on Christian Lee for the lightweight world title. Um, so, I mean, these are going to be huge matchups, guys. And, like, I think what's going to be interesting is the fact that it's it's four consecutive weeks, right? And we're we're right there on TNT. So there's going to be so many different eyeballs that are going to be watching you know, one championship, and it's going to expose us to an entirely new audience, you know? So I think that, you know, I think that the, the U S fans are going to see a different style of martial arts. You know, they're going to get to see, you know, Muay Thai and small gloves. They're going to get to see Rod Tank, Jim Long Nong throwing down, you know, with uh, his opponent, with those little gloves. And, I think it's just going to be a different look and I think the fans are really going to enjoy, you know, one the one championship take on martial arts and also mixing in the different sports, you know, adding in, you know, kickboxing, muay thai and and mixed martial arts together. I think they're, they they might come for the big names, you know, like watching Sage Northcut take on Shinya Aoki, but yeah. I think they're going to stay for all the other exciting matchups that we got. So um, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge and I'm really pumped.
0: How important is it, do you think, moving to TNT as opposed to just Turner Sports?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's prime time, right? Like people are going to be flipping through and I hope, you know, we get that, that, that sort of that fan base that is like one buddy, one guy's watching the fights And he's flipping through and he, you know, he sees Eddie Alvarez and he's like, oh man, that's Eddie Alvarez. I know that guy. And he he starts watching Eddie Alvarez and he goes, he sees just him and Yuri Lepikis just going crazy. And he calls up his buddy. Right. And then he he says, Hey man, you got to check out this fight on TNT. He's like, oh yeah, I got TNT. And then he's going to, you know, he's going to tweet it and then it's just going to build and it's going to grow. And it'll just take us to a whole different level. You know, I think Turner sports, you know, was a good start and it created a good fan base and it got us like our foot in the door, you know, but now with TNT, we're kicking down the door. We're going to bust right into people's homes and we're going to be there for, you know, millions and millions of, uh, of new fans. And I think they're going to get a taste of exactly what one championship is about. And I think they're never going to want to stop. And I think they're, we're going to draw in a lot of new people. And because of all the different channels at which you can watch one championship, I think that's gonna be what really what really cinches things for us.
2: Yeah, that's like, that's like how the, the UFC starts to gain momentum was through the the Forest and Bonafight winners know where the mouth where the mouth is you know really a big thing. Yep. And um, so is the is the one fighter in the world today that would be your dream acquisition for one.
1: Oh, man, I thought about this question. I saw the question, right? And I'm like, there's a few different ways I could go about answering this question, right? The first one is obviously, you know, what is that one martial artist that if we signed that martial artist or that fighter, everybody would immediately want to watch a one championship show, right? And the first person that, I, who would draw millions and millions of viewers? First person that jumped in my head was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I was like, having, you know, Kongji Wong knock out Brock Lesnar <laughs> <laughs> it would be crazy. But then I'm like, okay, may- maybe that, maybe, maybe that. And then I thought about another way to go. And I was like, what's that one trilogy that everybody wants to see? What's the one matchup right now that's got everybody guessing, right? I know he's got his hands full on one TNT, you know, TNT on one, one, right? I know that's it. You know, I know DJ has got his hands full with Adriano Marais. He's got to get that, you know, he's got to do his hand thing because Adriano Marais is a beast. He's going to really bring the fight. But I thought about, what about Henry Cejudo?
2: Mm.
1: What about yeah. a trilogy with Henry Cejudo against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? Cejudo doesn't have anybody yet. He doesn't have an organization. So, you know, maybe we can do a three-way with that, three-way dance with him. But then I was like, okay, what's that one fighter that I would like to see make his debut inside one championship? Who's that one dude that I think would perfectly fit. And that was Gordon Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see Gordon Ryan. I mean, Gary Tonin is right now. He's tearing things up. You know, he's really close to knocking on the door to a title shot, but I would like to see just how good Gordon Ryan is if you could punch that dude in the face, he's wrecking everybody in BJJ. You hear that Gordon? You're already, you're already the King of BJJ. Come to MMA, <laughs> come to MMA and see if you're at good. I think he would be an amazing addition to the one roster. Um, I think that, that he would probably be it. So I would probably be one of those three, you know, both, all any of those guys would be amazing, but uh, you definitely asked me a tough question on that one. And I had to give it some
0: thought. <laughs> Well, Brock Lesnar is supposedly a free agent, so you never know. We might see him rocking Never know. All
1: three of those guys. You know, we can get them all three of them. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so, finally, Mitch, um, what are your hopes for one in 2021? And then also just what are your personal hopes for, for 2021?
1: Well, um, as far as one championship is concerned, I, I really want uh, to just become a better storyteller. You know, I want to be able to um, find a, like, like I spoke about earlier, right? Like say I wanna work on my own storytelling abilities. Like I, want, I really want to show the world just how special these athletes are and just everything that they're capable of doing and the way that they can inspire the world. Uh, with their personal missions, that's my job. My job is to communicate to the fans out there exactly what they're doing. You know, when they're watching Giorgio Petrosian put hands on somebody, I have to be able to articulate it correctly. Mm Um, So personally, that's what I want to do for one championship is just get really good at my own storytelling, um, understand all three sports interchangeably so I can jump from kickboxing to Muay Thai to mixed martial arts and really um, just show the public just how great these athletes are. Um, What I would like to see one championship do is just to keep growing. You know, their their mission is to inspire the world. and, And that's really what we're doing, you know, day in, day out. There's an amazing team behind these people. And we just want to get into as many homes as possible, get into people's hearts and, and really help people, you know, find their greatness in life through being inspired by our, um, athletes. And it's, it really comes down to just, you know, really touching people. And, you know, if, if you can watch a sport or if you can watch something on TV, that somehow makes you want to be better, right? Like if you can see, you know, some of these guys like Echo Rani Saputra, who's just a, you know, he's just a kid that came from Indonesia with very little and he chased his dream of being a mixed martial arts champion. And if you can see that, and that can inspire you to go out and become a doctor or to become, you know, to start your own business, or even if it is just to, you know, get into shape or, you know, to be a, be a better dad, you know, whatever that might be, um, that's what I, I hope to do. And I hope to at least be part of that mission in, in helping people find their greatness because this is that type of sport that inspires people like that, you know? I, I can't really think of, you know, any other sport like that, that's touched my heart that way, you know, like when I'm watching like, you know, a movie like Rocky, you know, like seeing Sylvester Stallone go through those trials and tribulations and, you know, becoming the best athlete he can be. That's, that's kind of what I'd like to see happen for one championship. I'd like to see people get inspired, you know, through the stories and and the athletes that we have and ultimately achieve their dreams or just to become better. Um, I would like to compete again as well because I see these guys every single day, you know, like uh, Akiyama, you know, Sexy Yama, you know, he's yeah. older than me. He's 46 and he still goes out there and faces the very best in the world and gets it done. So these guys inspire me, you know, to, to do it, too. You know, they come back from really bad injuries and and still compete at the highest level. So, um just as I hope to be an inspiration and I hope to try to help people understand what these athletes are and just how great they are um, because they do that for me. They inspire me every day. And when I hear about their stories, it pushes me to, you know, become better. So I just, I don't want to help people do that as well
0: in couldn't ask for a better answer there excellent um and you know think you're already a, a brilliant commentator you're brilliant at your job so if you can improve on what you're already doing then
1: everyone's in for the treat. thank you sir thank you guys i appreciate your time thanks for having me on i love this no podcast. It's, it's, it's
0: been <laughs> absolutely fantastic speaking with you and uh really thank you for your time my pleasure guys my pleasure is there